These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Are you ready for the extravaganza of the millennia? Captain? But I thought your boxing rematch with General Martok wasn't until next year. Yeah, yeah, fair point. That will be equally excellent as an event. But I'm talking about the WandaVision finale. We watched that days ago. What? Yeah, the crew and I had a viewing party three weeks ago when... Did you not get the invite? The invite? Spock, are you serious? Sadly, yes. We will discuss this after the break. I am Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, captain of this particular ship, and I am frankly appalled at the audacity of my crew. Excellent alliteration, sir. Don't try and butter me up, Spock. Welcome aboard, listeners. And I am Laura Sagarski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer, and I am deeply apologetic and regretful. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Sir, how can we make this up to you? How did you not realize I wasn't there? Well, I was late and we'd already gotten started. I assumed you were nestled up in up front and not speaking because of how seriously you were taking the show. And didn't you find it odd when the lights went up and I wasn't there? Well, I left a bit early. You left early? Well, I mean, as you know, I've had mixed feelings about the series and... This I simply cannot allow. It's bad enough that you watched it without me. And now you're going to lean into your... Your... Critique? No. That's it. I am not hearing one more word. You will sit down and watch this finale. But what about bridge duty? Yeah, Bones will be fine. Bones? Will be fine. Yes, absolutely. Why don't I just queue up the... It is already queued. That was just so beautiful. You need another hanky, sir? Maybe. Okay, just make sure- Why aren't you crying? Uh, well, (laughs) as we discussed, I've already seen the finale. (laughs) Well, mostly. But you left before the end. You didn't see the post-credits. Oh, that's true. No, you're right. I did. I did. And now I've I've seen it. What was it again? It's, uh... (laughs) (laughs) you are really you're she tests me i know she tests me i thought i would really like lean into not that this whole episode is going to be like this but i thought i would really lean into some of the different reactions you and i had to this (laughs) particular series yeah so the the post credit 
um, for you and for anyone else who was like, I didn't know there's a post credit. Um, we <laughs> there was one, um, and we we find Wanda on like a beautiful um, island all alone in I don't know Greenland or some shit. Sure, it, it seemed it seemed Nordic. Yes, I would um, agree with that for sure. And she's like having a nice cup of tea on her front porch, very very thoughtful. You know, mm -hmm. in her acceptance phase of grief. And then we pan to the back of her little shack. And it is the Scarlet Witch reading the, the magic tome. And then she hears her son's voices calling for help. Dun, dun, dun. Billy and Tommy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It didn't work for me, man. Those post, those. I, I think it's like a post credits thing. I don't think they do it for me anymore. I don't know why. Hmm. Okay. All right. You hate whimsy. Noted. Um. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I don't think they're whimsical at all. I think they're very. I think they've turned into just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe stereotype. Like this is what we do. We can't ever end anything. We always have to have a bunch of codas. And mm. it doesn't feel, mm -hmm. it feels like going through the motions to me. Going through the motion. Yeah, rather than like the fun or the whimsy that it was, you know, earlier on when you didn't know if something was going to be at the end, right? Like, it was fun and All it was right. a surprise. Now it's, and now I think like people want it for different reasons, right? Like, I don't like it because it's so predictable. I think that others, I think some folks really like it because they know that it's coming and it's part of what feels familiar and mm -hmm. positive in the same way that, you know, a couple of back when we talked about game shows that I think, I think right. that's I like the part formula. <laughs> well, yeah. And like, I like the formula of some things too. I think it's like me and just a larger problem I'm having right now with Disney that I'm like picking at this. Um, so mm -hmm. I definitely want to name and own that. Um, but yeah, I think I think that for some folks, like that's it feels familiar and nice that formula. But to me, it doesn't feel. Yeah, all right. I mean, that's fair. And it, at this point, I get that because you know when we were firmly, <clears throat> excuse me, I am. You've I done already a used lot. my voice quite a lot. Yes, at, at the time of this taping. Uh, <laughs> yes and you're gonna this, be using it will quite be, a bit more following this taping so let's i we, will, we can be gentle and understanding of your instrument i will i will be resting my instrument the remainder of the day uh <laughs> post show instra instra rest um I'm just gonna stand yeah, over like one of those like steaming baths actually that sounds really good right? uh <laughs> What I was gonna say is, I I get it. Like when we were firmly in the min in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like deep in it, you know, the what the post scenes gave us was a teaser for the next property. Yeah, and and that is what WandaVision did because the next one will be Doctor Strange, so it was a teaser for that, but. I think it was much more satisfying when we were like firmly in the middle of MCU land because it was like, ooh, who is that guy? Thanos. Oh, we're getting a Thanos story. When's that happening? Right? Yes. Um, and it, there was a little bit more mystery and like f folks who read the comics, it, it was more mm. Easter eggy. Like, yes. 
oh my God, we're getting Thanos. You know what? You're right. getting, you're hitting it right on the head. Well done, mm-hmm. you. Um, genuinely. Because <laughs> it felt fun and Easter eggy in the earlier times of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And now it's starting to feel a little bit more like product placement. Yeah, I, I can I can sense that. I can feel that. And, you know, I had a similar feeling, which I know lots of folks did not have this feeling, at the end of Mando, when, yeah, when we see the, I agree. the Boba stuff. That, to me, mm. the vibe you are describing, that's the vibe I got when we, when we see Boba. I was like, oh, this is... This is our... In-. It's like, yes. oh my god, you know what it is? It's like... When a show um, gets a spinoff and there's that episode that is just for the spinoff mm-hmm. yes. and the episode does not hold up at all on its own. Yes. Um, the only exception to that that I know of is uh, Wayward Sisters, unfortunately, that or Wayward Daughters. Unfortunately, that show did not go forward. Oh, um, it's so sad. <laughs> I know. Um, our rip. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's what the kids say, right? It is. It is. Well, older, older, who cares? There's a group of humans who say it and you indeed executed it correctly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't remember. And I mean, I think it speaks to what you're saying that I don't remember the episode very well. But I remember having that feeling about the like the backdoor episode from Buffy into Angel. Mm hmm. That episode simply did not work for me, it, even a as little bit. As a standalone. Bit. As a standalone, no. no. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that like we are going to, our intention, let's see if we follow our intention. That'll be a fun thing to find out for you, for me, for our listeners. Um, our intention is to focus somewhat on the, the Wanda, the Wanda dyad, and then, of course, mm-hmm. the, what do you call a, a group of four? A quatred? Hey, listeners, if you know what you call something that's a four, that's let a us know. Yeah. Is it a quad? Because it's, it's like quad, a quad would be the abbreviation for something else, right? Like there's the dyad, there's a triad. Is it just a quad? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone would say more than a quad. Probably not, no. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> Fair. Fair <laughs> enough. So first the dyad of Wanda and Vision and then the quad when it's Wanda, Vision, and Billy and Tommy. Um. So we're going to focus oh, on well, that for the first half. I was also half. thinking, yes. oh, got it, got it, got it. Yes, yes. Quad first half. The Tongue. Rest the of Westview. Second. Rest of Westview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second. <laughs> <laughs> and and your feelings about, about Darcy. Mm, That'll be next time. That'll be next time. We're, I'm not, we're not going to focus on it right now. Right now, it's just our feelings on Wanda and Vision and to shift a little bit, I do have to say that I really enjoyed those first couple of episodes that I know oh, many good. folks felt were slow. I didn't feel like it was slow at all. I thought it was great. I thought for once we mm-hmm. got some really quality time with just a couple of the characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and got to see them living their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I. Th- it is interesting to me that... On the one hand, people clearly really responded to that shawarma scene that was from the first Avengers movie. Oh, sure. That was that was such a human moment. It was such a human for moment. For superheroes. Yeah. yeah, it was great. And 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 then we don't... There's a post-credits you were into. 
It was. It was a post-credits I was definitely into. And it's one mm-hmm. that like makes me also feel sad in retrospect because it doesn't feel like anybody learned from that moment. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't put in more human moments. They were just like more whiz bang pow. And I'm not here to take anybody's whiz bang pow away from them. But I would have liked more shawarma moments in <laughs> the films that followed. Oh my god, I love I love shawarma moments. Shawarma moments, and I feel like finally in these first couple episodes of Wandavisions, we got so many shawarma moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I loved. I mean, I was down for the whole series, but I um and I spoke to this on a. A Wizard World panel I was on a, a while sure ago, did. and you were fun I and sure effusive, did. and your your laughter brought light to all. Oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> I that's what I live for. I'm like Tinkerbell. I oh, <laughs> you are. <laughs> that's what brings me to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I talked about was, you know, this. It does seem like it was quite generational who was digging those first few apps and who is not digging those first few apps because they are very much you know they're they're in the style of of older television mm-hmm. and you know i come from a generation where like and i reckon like i'm not super old people at home um but i did grow up in a time where you you only had a couple of channels to choose from and the if you wanted to watch TV, which I always did because I was raised by the television, as longtime listeners know, um, mm-hmm. or other people who were, you know, <laughs> uh, well, d- they don't even need to be longtime listeners. I literally said that on the. Uh, you did two on apps our, back. Mm-hmm, yeah, two apps back. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to watch TV, you're kind of you're going to get whatever's on. And so even though the Dick Van Dyke show was not for my generation. I watched a decent amount of shows from, from that era because they were just on in syndication. And so I'm, I'm familiar with that format. I'm comfortable with that format. It doesn't feel slow to me. Right. And, you know, th- there were lots of folks who had a lot of issue with the way that was there, the way it was written. They're like, ah, it's too slow. I don't like it. Like, well, because you're not used to it. This isn't the way television is made anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's making me think about expectations and that I think a certain bunch of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fans, one of the things they really like about the MCU is the formula, the familiarity of the formula. Mm-hmm. They know what the beats sure, are. Sure, they know sure. what the structure is. Mm-hmm. Um, and WandaVision... For the first, almost the first half of the show, it doesn't follow that. So I think there were mm-hmm. a fair number of people who sat down and their expectations were disappointed. And so right off the bat, their the, the emotional space that they were then working from was, you know, f- anywhere from frustration to disappointment. Because they had an expectation that this was going to be a certain kind of way. It was going to follow the MCU formula. And it really didn't. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. If you, because we talk about this a lot in therapy, mm-hmm. the disappointment comes from expectations not being met. Yeah. So you know, if we, if we know that family member X is is not good at responding to certain emotions, and we 
go to family member X with our sadness, expecting them to be able to hold it, which they have historically never done, we will be disappointed. Yes. So we will, we will be struggling with two emotional situations simultaneously. One, the disappointment of, their expect, of our expectations. And then two, <laughs> the feelings that we feel when we are feeling overwhelmed by sadness, we go to someone for help and support and they're not able to help or support us. Mm-hmm. We feel worse. We might feel embarrassed. Yeah. We might feel singled out. We might feel guilty. Depending on the long-sitting dynamic with that person, there may be shame. And, like, all of that is hard enough. But when you get par- that's paired with disappointed expectations, it can be really challenging for folks. Mm-hmm. What I will say, though, is that I, I've, I felt like the promos, the lead-up to WandaVision, was trying to prompt people to readjust their expectations. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think some folks did, and I think some folks didn't. I think folks who were like myself were like, oh, yay, something that's not the MCU formula. (laughs) (laughs) So we readjusted our expectations, but in a way that we were excited about. Mm -hmm. Well, what I really loved about it as, as as a therapeutic fan fiction evangelist was (laughs) seeing you on those old like i'm just in my mind's eye i'm remembering being a kid zooming through like the five channels that i had only three of which came in clear enough to see them and seeing the tv evangelicals (laughs) running up and down the stages with their like microphones with the long cords but now i'm picturing this human and your face is superimposed on them So thank you for this experience. <laughs> You're welcome. And that was fun for everyone. Um, <laughs> except for any of our listeners who have come out of religious trauma. And to those of you, I say, oh, I'm sorry. I hope that didn't I'm bring sorry. up anything upsetting yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Take um, a few breaths and come on back. <laughs> yeah, take a minute. Uh, I am not someone who is huge into alternate universe fanfic, you know, fanfic AUs. That sure. doesn't tend to be my jam. You know, I don't necessarily want to read something where Dean and Cass have opened up a bakery to very popular AU. Destiel Bakery, like that is a whole fucking genre. Um, Of course, pies. (laughs) Boy, pies. Um, It's not usually my jam necessarily, but I kind of loved the, the WandaVision AU. Where, what if Wanda and Vision were in a Dick Van Dyke style universe? What if they were in a Bewitched style universe? What if they were in a, you know, Partridge Family style universe? Mm -hmm. 1980s family sitcoms, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I kind of loved that. And I was like, huh, I guess... I guess there is a part of me that really likes AUs. They just have to be done well. Yes, they need to. And the attention to detail on the AUs mm-hmm. was impeccable. Whatever team was in charge of putting all that together, they they did such an amazing job. Um, and like, I... So I'm a, a handful of years younger than you. And so my experience with television is... Like, there's some differences... I don't mm-hmm. remember the Dick Van Dyke show, but I do remember other shows that were like that. Like, I remember watching um, I Love Lucy and 
I don't know why I'm, I do know I'm thinking of Matlock, but that doesn't apply here. Um, <laughs> Columbo. Columbo, right. There's another one that my grandma used to watch when she would come over and babysit me and I can't remember what it was. Oh, the Mary Tyler was Moore Was it Murder, show. She Wrote? Yes. Oh, of course. And and Murder, She Wrote. That was, well, that was mm-hmm. late enough where like I had to be in bed so she could really get into Murder, She Wrote. Um, and I would try to like, we had this little like overhang so I could sort of like see below into the living room. Because the bedrooms are on the upper level. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to watch Murder, She Wrote as a little kid. <laughs> and I found it so boring <laughs> that it would put oh me God. to sleep. I would fall asleep like hanging Ugh. there. And then I would wake up and then I would just go back to bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. As a child, that would be so boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you, you can't lock it in, lock into it when you're like six years old. Um, But at any mm-hmm. rate, there is a... um. A police car, maybe. Murder. Murder, she wrote. Murder. I'm just Murder, imagining Angela Lansbury driving behind this ambulance and police car. <laughs> Ready to interview suspects. <clears throat> Her usual moxie. Um, but I've seen enough of those shows that I, I understood what was happening. And then mm-hmm. for me... I I really liked not knowing some of what was going on and then having to kind of like learn this television language. Yes. Yeah. And like get try to like get literate in it as I was watching it. It felt like kind of like a fun sort of like movie puzzle to do. Mm-hmm. And like yeah, and Elizabeth lo- Olsen and it. what Paul Bettany is the the gentleman mm-hmm. who portrays Vision, they're so good. And like they seem like they're having such a good time like diving into these different like periods in TV history. It was really great. Yeah, they I they did a beautiful job. Yeah. Like just and capturing because the way we talk mm-hmm. Westworld construct everyone, like the way that we speak, our speech patterns change over time. They're socially constructed. And they did such a great job both in the writing and in their performance mm-hmm. of grasping the way people spoke during that time, the way scripts were written during that time. And again, I think this is what bothered some folks, um, especially some younger folks Hmm? who are used to a certain cadence of speech. And this is making (laughs) me think of, maybe you don't know, this is reminding me (laughs) of the episode that we did what feels like years ago, and was at least two years ago on, uh, and it was for New Orleans. It was a themed podcast episode that we did. And so you and I watched oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Easy Rider and NCIS New Orleans, which is a more, not Easy Rider, but NCIS New Orleans is a more modern <laughs> television show. And it too has an entire cadence and linguistic series of constructs and ways that the mm-hmm. story is told. And because I don't watch like serialized crime shows anymore. Mm-hmm. The that the episode that we watched was totally inscrutable to me. I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't follow the plot. I didn't know who people were. I had to give them nicknames just to like follow through. And it was it was both a wild and also a humbling experience because I I it's easy for me to like sort of get on my high horse as it will and just be like, well, come on, just like play the game. You haven't seen the Dick Van Dyke show, just like follow along. It'll you'll figure it out. Sure, sure. 
There was no following along for me in NCIS New Orleans. <laughs> I was completely lost and totally flummoxed. And like, I could see that being the case for a Zoomer who sat down to watch it. Like, perhaps that to them that felt like when I tried to watch NCIS New Orleans, it just couldn't happen for them. I, no, I see that. And I, I appreciate you using that example because, yeah, they're absolutely those that kind of Dick Van Dyke, like something's happening over here. Now something's happening over there. And and, and we talk and we talk like this. <laughs> my 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 wife and her whatever. My husband and his indestructible head like that's that yeah. kind of banter that the setup mm -hmm. and the knockdown and the Yeah. Absolutely. There's there's a vibe to it that if if it doesn't speak to you and if it doesn't tap into nostalgia for you. Right. I think there's also some limit to what you're getting out of it, because mm. as creatures, we do respond so much to nostalgia. Um, and oh my, this is making me think <clears throat> I will come back to WandaVision, but I think. It does help to have these examples, right? Like, I, mm -hmm. for me, that tapped into so much nostalgia for me. Like, oh, even though I didn't grow up during this time, I remember watching this. I remember how that felt. And, you know, that taps into stuff like with my parents and all that stuff, right? Which a Zoomer is not, unless they have a tight relationship with their grandparents or some other reason they were super into it. Um, right. But I... I remember this, this was now years ago, someone came to me with an idea for one of my uh, narrated yoga classes, and they wanted to do the last unicorn. Oh, God. Yes, and tell, I was tell like, the people this tale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I was like, well, I never saw it. I've never seen it. And they're like, we've never seen the last unicorn. I've never seen it. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm open to doing a class on it, right? Like, I'll I want to you're give very, the people what they want. And right, you're very the open. people are telling yeah. me they want, they want this <laughs> this unicorn. So I watched it. And I sat in what I can only describe as abject horror. <laughs> yeah. Listening to Mia Farrow's tiny voice and the and the art and the woman, why did you come to me now? And the 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 horses in the water in the water yeah it was it was inscrutable it was upsetting and i was like i i i do not want to shit on your childhood person who brought this to me but i gotta tell you this is sparking nothing no joy for me not even a, a piece not a scintilla of joy for me yeah and really it what it comes down to is nostalgia like i am sure that if i had watched that as a child it would have been a different experience i think that's probably true but i did watch it as a child and <laughs> i can tell you right now i can tell you a couple things one i can't imagine rewatching it ever And two, I remember there are very few, like, it's rare for me that I remember the felt experience the first time that I watched something, which mm -hmm. is not how my memory works. But mm -hmm. I remember sitting on the floor of our living room in the first house that I, that I lived in as a kid 
and like watching it unfold and feeling so like I think maybe horrified but maybe it was more than anything what I remember feeling was just like overwhelmed by what was happening (laughs) and it all seemed it seemed like everyone was miserable and I was so overwhelmed by all of the characters different kinds of misery and then Mm -hmm. I remember the feeling of like I'm just gonna hold on and it has to get better and it kept not getting better (laughs) (laughs) until until it ended and then I remember like I think I went to my mom and I was I was I was I had this conversation with her and what I realize now looking back is I was trying to get my mom to tell me that it was okay that I didn't like it. Oh, okay. But you didn't know how to ask for that. But I didn't know how to ask for that. Um but that's definitely what I was seeking because I it it was such an overwhelming almost horrifying experience and it it's such an artistic depiction at least my recollection because it's now been years and I'm not rewatching it. But it's such an artistic representation of different kinds of despair and Mm -hmm. oppression and and surprisingly that was just too much for my six-year-old self um so i would only (laughs) imagine that like other six-year-olds who are really into this movie they were fanficking or picking out different parts of it that like really really worked for them um Mm -hmm. so yeah maybe you would have done that or maybe like me you would have watched that film as a young person and been like i i don't i don't ever want to do no thank you Okay, I had forgotten that you had that experience because I thought this would be this would be one of those things where like I say my experience, then I lob it over to you, and you're like, "But I loved it as a child," and that's not what happened. No, no, we had we were totally different ages and different places and time, but we in some ways had fairly identical experiences to this film. (laughs) And let me be clear: if there's a listener out there who's like, "But I loved the Last Unicorn," I think that's beautiful. Like, in no way are we trying to take that away from you. I think it's never. it's an it's an amazing artistic rendering of a film and and I support you fully in loving it. Mhm. Yeah, but I think this is a a good example of like how we how we respond differently mm-hmm. to the same story. Because circling back to WandaVision. Yes. Good circle. Um circle yeah i i loved i loved all the au's and and the slightly creepy undercurrent you know where you can see the the canonical world kind of creeping in and it's a little bit spooky which appeals to my you know david lynchian aesthetic yes i actually wish that that had lasted longer I was a little sad when Sword finally showed up um, because I wanted to not know what it was for a mm. little bit longer because I liked that there were just these random things that were sort of popping in. Um, it was it was such a it gave me the feeling of this quote that you've been quoting a bunch and I'm going to totally butcher it. It's from Lord of the Rings. It's when Sam talks about like being spread too thin like butter on bread. Oh, that's uh, Bilbo. Oh, that's Bilbo. Never mind. It's yeah. not Sam. It's Bilbo from The Hobbit. Um, so thank no, goodness you, you're here. No, you were right. It's it's from The Lord of the Rings, but it's Bilbo in The Lord of the Rings. I've, oh. I feel I feel old, sort of stretched, like butter spread over too much bread. He's talking yes. about after he's had the ring for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, At least and- in the film. I don't know if it's in the book. 
it is indeed in the book and in the movie, which is just super. Um, but back to Wanda. Yeah, like Wanda, those first couple of episodes, she has that Bilbo spread too thin vibe. She's mm. holding too much. She's trying to like keep so much trauma at bay. We later find out that she's like subduing a lot of consciousnesses. So that's a great deal of work. And I did. I loved the creepy way that they had it come out. Um, and I'm thinking of they do it. They do it a couple different times, and it's and it's effective and creepy. I think each time. But the first time they do it um, in the episode one at the end where it's where vision's boss is choking mm-hmm. and yeah. everything starts to shift because wanda's trauma of losing him is being triggered it's so well done from from a cinematic standpoint it's really well done and i would say it's also really well done from a psychological standpoint that like that really is how it feels when somebody is experiencing a trauma trigger but trying to hold it back but they just can't Oh, that's interesting. I read that scene a little bit differently. I can okay. see what you're saying. Yeah. No. How did you yeah. read it? Um, how I read it. Well, and I've I've watched the series twice now, so I went back knowing everything. Um, and <clears throat> the even though she's controlling everybody's minds, like she she did keep married people together. She kept kids with their parents. Like she, you know, so the couple that's there are a married couple and if you re-watch it the mom from that 70s show uh rup hup whatever um <laughs> she she's laughing and she's saying stop it stop it stop it and and the the final few stop it's just uh. are so like wanda stop killing my husband oh sure sure and I can I can see how that tapped into Wanda being like I can't I'm not going to kill this lady's husband the way that my partner died, or like I don't want to kill anybody right um and so she she was down to hold this facade forever but she like somehow she was able to hear through all of her fanficking this this nugget of truth and she she broke her own fourth wall to ask vision to save him yeah no that's a very different interpretation of it i think still quite lovely mm-hmm. no it was beautiful i think i think either either way you read it yeah well and i i did like that there are especially as the show continues i feel like it does something that always I, well, I always have a hard time with when I feel like I'm being like hit over the head with how to interpret a scene. I don't want the director mm-hmm. to come in and tell me how to interpret a scene. I don't want Disney Corp to tell me how to interpret a scene. I want to like have the tableau and mm-hmm. I want to have a human reaction to it. And this particular scene that we're talking about from episode one, it does, it allows for that variation in interpretation. And it's not that anyone mm-hmm. is any like better or more accurate than another. It's layered and human enough of a moment that then human beings, as they're engaging with it and co-creating that meaning as they're watching it, and they can bring different things, which is which mm. I love. Yeah. So the so that was the first moment, and then we get you know once once we get to see sword, we find out they tried to communicate via the radio. The radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then 
then we get twins and it's the 70s and <laughs> and and Monica Rambo we're not we're not getting into the rest of the folks yet but true that that was a moment where Wanda was like no we're we're breaking the fourth wall and all the rest of the walls in Westview yeah <laughs> That was a great, that was another really lovely episode in terms of like talking about complicated human realities. I thought it did a nice job of talking about the complicated human reality of being an immigrant mm. and the ways that you try to blend. And I thought they did interesting things with having her accent coming in and out. Mm -hmm. She does that thing that was so common of um, like Eastern Europeans of like either they they emigrated over they were first gen so the first generation born in this country where they would like name their child some super American name mm -hmm. to just like overcompensate because there's that desire to just blend and fit in but then there's that real sort of sadness that she speaks to different times in that episode and later ones too of losing not just her family of origin but her her culture of origin and and having some real ambivalence about the fact that she's lost that. I, I really appreciated those moments too. They gave her that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, and they were so subtle. If you didn't, mm -hmm. if you don't have this cultural experience yourself or knowledge of, of these cultural experiences, you would miss it. Yeah. It would just be, you know, I miss my brother. I miss my family. And mm. those things are true, but there is also very much this deep pain of, I miss my culture. I miss my homeland. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's probably those moments that then made it harder for me emotionally when we got to the finale, finally. Mm -hmm. And they started to do some things that, at least for me, I see as, like, being habitual issues with MCU movies, because they're not just made by a bunch of artisans, they're made by a bunch of artisans, but then also there's an entire corporation behind them. Who are uh, make, right? Who want to make money? And are we making... were talking about this the other day, and I was like, "Don't tell me, save it for the pod." Yes, and you were also <laughs> like, "Oh, Larissa, just fanfic it," which is totally <laughs> real. And <laughs> and I'm, we can maybe we'll link to an article in the show notes on this because this is not an original idea from me. This was something that like I noticed after I'd watched the finale. Parents were having a real visceral reaction to how Wanda and Vision say goodbye to their kids, Billy and Tommy. And while I, I think that like the intent was to portray them like, oh, look, they're putting the kids to bed for one last time. Parents saw mm -hmm. that episode and they were like, so you left your kids alone to die. Yeah, I had that vibe too. Right? Yeah. And it's, and it's so there and it's so, and, and it feels like this kind of mistake would only be made by an algorithm or a machine or a committee of people who are splicing and dicing different storylines and different ideas and then just like rushing mm -hmm. to a finale like it didn't have that beautiful layered humanity to it that other moments of the series had mm -hmm. yeah i and so i absolutely had that feeling too where i was like really we're saying good night and just you know, my partner and I were watching this together and we're like, we're just going to let the nothing come for them while they're sleeping. Okay. I hope they have already fallen asleep by the time the nothing gets there. Um, but I, th I think from a storytelling point of view, how we are meant 
to see it is Wanda Wanda is imploding the way she exploded. So and she is um she's coming back to what the whole reason behind this was, which was vision and her future with vision. So, you know, this whole town goes her children go and then she has this moment alone with vision but i i get it like it's that's not how most humans would deal with that situation no and it it feels like when we were making that decision there either weren't there were there weren't humans in the room who were thinking from a human place mhm like they, they were, were thinking from a story place. I don't even actually, I don't think that I think they were, I think this, this to me feels like a bunch of humans who are either shutting down their emotions or struggling mm. with empathy exhaustion because it's just so obvious. Like you don't, there was a way to do what they were trying to do from a story perspective without mm-hmm. leaving the kids alone to die. I'm going to have to leave the kids alone to die. You have a moment where like both parents hold them and then they go, and mm-hmm. then Wand and Vision can have their their goodbye right. or their moment. You know, like it didn't it, it didn't have to be that way. And it is such and it and, and it, like and again to me it feels like this is something that happens when the what's driving the story is not a bunch of artisans. What's driving the story is a corporate economics. Mm. Yeah. I, if we were to take the lens that there was some thoughtfulness behind it, could could part of this have been to? I don't like this language, but I'm gonna use it anyway to dehumanize the kids. Like, if we are able to leave them and let them be taken by the nothing, then perhaps we, as the audience, can let them go as being real children. And accept them as being part of Wanda's fantasy? Like, so are you asking, like, what if, is that what they were trying to do with the story? Yeah. I don't know, but it's striking me that, that, like, work. (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I yeah, don't know. Like, I, I can't. The reason, and, and, and the reason I don't yeah. know is that, like, when I reach out, I don't feel like there's enough authorial intent that mm-hmm. I could, like, read into and, like, reach out and hold on to. I feel like I, I reach for, like, the human behind it, and I'm like, I come up empty. It's like taking, taking a spoonful of the collective unconscious, but you don't get any soup. It's just fog. No, no Joseph Campbell's soup. <laughs> no Joseph Campbell's soup. I just like, I put my spoon in and I'm like, all right, let's find out what was the deeper meaning with the kids. And there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tra- trademark Starship Therapies on Joseph Campbell's soup. <laughs> <laughs> right? And like, we can fill it in as viewers mm-hmm. and as fanfic writers. We can definitely fill it in. Honey. Getting a spoonful of the collective unconscious. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> She's like, you're coming up empty, but I'm not. Um, let me take it back. 
Um, God, what were we saying? Spoon in the emptiness. Yeah, I, and I think I can. I think I can take it from here. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I th the reason I have the question mark in my head is, I mean, obviously, I we've talked about this a lot. Like, I am someone who, like, I will. They throw down the gauntlet of fanfic this for yourself, and I'm like, yes, I will do that. Yes. Um, and so I, w I wonder if the intention wasn't like she said goodbye to them because she knows they aren't quote unquote real. They're part of her uh, Westview construct. And, and so that gives us the, the opportunity for that feeling of gotcha at the post credits when she hears their voices like, aha, they were real. You I don't could, know that I buy. You, I mean, I think you could fanfic it that way. Mm -hmm. I think you could absolutely. I don't know that I even buy that. that. But I don't think I don't think the creators did the work. Yeah, right. I'm doing a lot of heavy lifting to come up with that. You are, <laughs> and I think I think actually I think that's some of what people really love about the MCU, and it's some of what I love about it. I have a very like love hate thing about it. Um, but I think some of what people love about it is that they don't give you enough oftentimes when the stories they're telling in the, in the movies and now the TV shows. Mm -hmm. um, and so you do have to do a lot of fanficking on your own. And I think some people really like that. It's like they're being mm -hmm. given a prompt and then they get to fill it in. Um, I like it and I don't. And the part of me that doesn't like it feels like we're being given architecture and the architecture feels a little malevolent. Like mm. all the stuff with sword, it feels it feels a little like military industrial complex, a little too pro military industrial complex for me. Yeah. Well, and I'm gonna put a pin in that because our next ep is gonna be on the rest of the town. Well, we we can acknowledge there's a lot of sad stuff happening with the kids. Um, and it seems like with, with that post credits that we maybe haven't seen the last of Billy and Tommy, but mm. I want to circle back to, to Wanda and Vision. Um, and I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about, about Vision, the Westview construct and mm -hmm. the White Vision. I really, I really initially... I was like, you're getting too fancy with that ship of Theseus stuff, but then they just won me over, and I really love it because, like, that's that's my wheelhouse. I love me. Oh, I'm so glad. I yes. I was I was so nervous. <laughs> I was like, what if she didn't like the ship of Theseus? No. I, initially, I was like, mm, and then I was like, you know what, Larissa, just let yourself have this. You love philosophical <laughs> mind puzzles, and I did. I loved their back and forth. It was really mm -hmm. lovely. Mm. Oh, I'm so. I just truly, I'm so glad. <laughs> and I, I would have rolled with it if you had said that you hated it. But you're very good moment, at rolling with me in the MCU. But you don't need to roll that far, friend. <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> because I did. I, I, I also had just that moment when they first named the ship of Theseus. I was like, oh no, where is this going? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's going to the good place. That's where it's going. It's, it's going to a purposeful, thoughtful you know, philosophical quandary. And I fucking loved it. Uh, 
Because that's, I mean, how do we make sense of our world? We make sense of our world through story. And that was, that was just displaying it in terrible CGI. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were some rough CGI moments. White Vision, I think, was, to my mind, the worst of it. I, I think that was a bridge too far. It was a bridge too far. Like, I'd, no. No. But I did, yeah, I loved that ship of Theseus. And White Vision is able to, you know, unlock hidden parts of himself, which is so IFSE, and we'll, we'll need to keep track of that for when we write our book about IFS. Oh, that's so true. Yes. It getting, is a nice... getting past the protector to the exile. To the exile, yes. And why is the mm -hmm. exile so important? Because the exile is a part of... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. loved it. I loved it. And I also loved, like, I hate how we got there. But I did, I loved parts of the conversation that Wanda and Vision have at the very end. Mm, about how he is her, her sadness. You're going to cry. I totally am. But I was like, ooh, maybe I can take it back. And I did. I don't remember it as her saying, that, her saying to him, you're my sadness. I remember it as her she saying, does. like, you're, you are the love that I had. Like you, like, you are the love that I had. You're going to find the actual quote? Because it, it has both it. those things in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something like you, that. You, you are the part of the, the Mind Stone that lives in me. You, you, are my, you are my something, and you are my sadness and my hope. But most of all, you are my love. You're my love, yep. Mm -hmm. I loved that. It was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just wish we'd gotten there different. Yeah. Oh, feel like feel like that's kind of a sad note to end on. It is. It is a sad note to end on. Um, but Wanda and Vision are both in the comics and in the MCU in some ways very defined by tragedy, mm. um, and grief and loss. And I think that's part of what I, I think people have really been resonating with in terms of like the response that we've seen that folks are having to WandaVision, that this has been such a year of grief. Oh, so real. Yeah. And we don't have, or maybe I want to put it like this, in the United States, we've lost a lot of our rituals that help us process grief. Yes, absolutely we are at a real <clears throat> low point in terms of access to grieving rituals. And I think part of what people really responded to in WandaVision was that there were, there were real concrete, powerful story pieces about how do we grieve? What does that mean? What does it look like? How do we hold on to things? Mm-hmm. How do, how do we do this thing? Like Wanda does a lot of social modeling for grief and grieving. Like you, I think part, so part of what I think people were responding to with Wanda um, 
was that she became an avatar for their grief and how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that so many folks, like viewers, have picked up on on how she was going through the stages of grief. Um, and, you know, there are five stages and there's evidence that there's a sixth stage, which is meaning making. And I think we have yet to see one to get there, but I think we will. Um, where yeah. where she will where she will make meaning both of her time with Vision, his loss, and what happened in her grieving process. I mean, arguably, I think that's some of what she did with Westview, and that is what makes her the mm-hmm. Scarlet her Scarlet Witch because it's chaos magic, the ability to create. Mm-hmm. And fanfic a whole world. And that's what she does. She fanfic a whole mm-hmm. world. Now, that led to, you know, more grieving that she now has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's clearly using that sixth stage, the meaning making, the creation phase, and that mm-hmm. final cutscene that we get of her. Um, and that, too, was a really accurate depiction of what we understand about the cycle, the circle that is grief, that it is cyclical mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it doesn't end. You're never going to get to a point in grief where you're like, oh, look, I've done it. I've grieved. Mm-mm. Like, no, I don't. That doesn't like, happen. That doesn't happen. You don't ever wake up in the morning and think like, well, now I don't miss my brother anymore or I don't miss my father or my mm-hmm. mother or my partner or my dog or my best friend or my colleague or my patient, mm-hmm. right? You don't, you yeah. don't ever get to that place. But you do have longer and longer stretches in acceptance and then in the meaning making. I actually had a client tell me a good anecdote they had heard about how to conceptualize grief, that it's a um, that it's a balloon inside a box. And in the beginning, the balloon is just stuffed inside the box and it is hitting the box sure. on all sides. So the grief is so intense. Like that's where the grief feeling comes from, the inside of that box. And the the balloon starts to shrink a bit as time goes on and we heal. But the balloon's still in the box and it still bumps around and it hits different edges. And, you know, yeah. so- sometimes it, it expands and contracts and we're, we're not out. We don't leave the box. Good job, your client. Our clients are all so smart. I know they are so smart. We wouldn't have a book without our clients. I, I literally told oh. a client that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, we dedicated our book to all of you because we literally wouldn't have anything to talk about if we didn't have our clients. That's so true. We can do great things <laughs> if we do them together. We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat-Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You are the keeper of comic lore. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. Really, seriously. For real. It helps us so much. It helps the algorithm. It helps people find us. It takes merely a moment of your time to please go to the Apple Podcasts, rate us, and review us by saying anything at all. Any word improves the algorithm's functionality. How's that for for some vision speak? Um, That's great. And be sure to tell your friends. 
We are also available on Stitcher and Spotify. And just a reminder that our book, Starship Thereby's Using Therapeutic Fan Fiction to Rewrite Your Life, is now available to pre-order from your favorite booksellers. And once you get your copy, please leave us a review on your favorite reviewing site. You have so many things to review. <laughs> but first up, please order yourself a copy or two or three and share the news with your social networks. And as always, live long and prosper. prosper.